We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hi, everybody. This is Kirk Henderson. You're coming to me in what's supposed to be another episode of Kirk Your Enthusiasm, but at the last minute, I asked Josh Bowe to join me. And we are here with friend of the show, Colin Cable of Fansided now, because that's where we discovered your absolutely just, it's, it's probably one of the most, I've reread this piece more than anything that I can really think of in the last several years. It caught me at the right time. And it's such a, it's, it's just really a, it's a powerful read is all I can say. If you haven't read it and I put this in the story, uh, you know, when you get your podcast, you should be looking at it. If you haven't read this story yet, pause, go take five minutes, read this thing, then come back to me. Okay. So you're come back. You've read the pod. You've read this story. You're, we're here with Colin. Colin, how are you today? I'm doing well, Kirk. Thank you so much. That's very, 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 very kind of you. Um, otherwise, yeah, I'm doing great. It's been a wild week, but things feel good right now. So yeah, happy you, to be here. And you're like, we're we're a couple of days past your birthday, which is really exciting. So happy birthday! You are the ripe old age oh, of thank 30, you. 34. I think you're about Josh's age, which means. Uh, you're with our uh, us band of men who like everything starts to hurt at weird times, and you don't know how to cope with that. <laughs> like getting out of bed is it's like what did I do in my sleep? Why do my hips hurt? Like those sorts of things start to happen. Um, I just want to kind of well, get it's right so into funny. it. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, please. Oh no, I just I did I did put some menthol mentholated cream on my neck. It was a little sore, <laughs> so that's just your you know exactly where I'm at. <laughs> I mean, I get hurt sitting in this this chair now that I've worked from home from six straight months and like I don't have proper posture anymore. It's a bear. 
Um, oh, yeah. I, I'd like to really get right into it. So how at what point did you start thinking that you wanted to write this story down and tell it? Sure. Um, well, I went a long time without thinking about any of it. I actively tried to avoid thinking about it or processing it. Um, then towards the beginning of quarantine, I sat down and I just, for internal use only, I mean, I just wrote it because I had to get the very complicated reasons I had such a intense love for this kid out of my head. You know, it's hard to explain. I would talk about Luca or the Mavs and, you know, everybody, every Mavs fan loves Luca. How could you not? But um, I, I just felt this like intense affection for him. Um, so for me, it was just an exercise of explaining that to myself to feel a little less, a little less crazy about it. <laughs> I guess. Sure. So it, you know, it was a ther therapy, therapy thing probably. Okay. So from there, what, how like how did how did we get to to fan sided? Uh, just for background, I had my my old friend Ian Levy, who used to write for with with yes. me at the the two man game, sent it to me uh, Friday morning and basically said, "You you got to read this, Kirk." And it sat oh, there wow. in my browser for about three hours because I read the headline, and I, you probably didn't write the headline, even if you did write the headline. Headlines these days are sometimes, you know, just very different from what the story entails. So I read the headline and at 8.30 in the morning. I just, I wasn't prepared. So I came yeah. back to it. <laughs> I came back to it at about 11 o'clock and actually, and, and, you know, frankly, I just don't read that much anymore. I don't have time. And, and something about the way you really, it, it becomes like, like very visceral in the sense of, I didn't live in Brooklyn. I live in Washington, DC, but there's something about, you know, describing a place where you live in such detail to where it really put me in a place where I, you know, where I've been in, in my own life where things where I'm not super, you know, I, I can remember details of my life when things weren't going great. And, and that just really put me in a place where I just decided, you know, I'm going to take the 10 minutes to read the story. So, so walk me through how it got all the way, you know, to, to fan sided. Well, sure. Um, you know, I wrote it, uh, in March, I actually sent it to, I believe, another former colleague of yours, Tim Cato. Oh, yes. I just DM'd him from my, you know, my burner on Twitter, you know, the thing that I'll like, like political posts with or whatever. And um, <laughs> I, uh, I sent it to him and I said, you know, like, hey, what do you think of this? Is this a story? Is this something? Um, is this anything? Uh, he and full disclosure, guys, I am a Mavs Moneyball reader. I'm a longtime fan, so it's a thrill to be talking to you guys. But um, I sent it to Tim. He could not have been kinder or more supportive or more open. And he gave me, he's like, you know, we could, you know, we could, I'll, I'd be happy to work on this with you. You know, like, here's some, some things that I would do to maybe kind of like, you know, I think originally I had some stats in there or some like numbers um, sure. that, that just kind of distracted, I guess, from the story. And he, Pointed a few things out. I went back to um, kind of heed his suggestions and, and honestly felt um, it, it was a lot harder when I went back to it. And so I, I maybe wasn't emotionally in, in, a, in the same place to, to start having all those thoughts back in my head. So I just set it aside and I figured I could maybe reach back out to Tim later. And then the bubble started and he... Mm -hmm got super busy. I felt shy about reaching out again. And then um, I saw a retweet on Twitter 
that said, you know, fan side is accepting freelance submissions. If you have a story that you might think be good, go ahead and send it to us. And so I sent it to them just on a whim, didn't reread it. To be honest, I have not reread it since March. Um, I just sent him the story and Ian uh, got back to me. And the next thing we know, we're off to the races. So uh, total serendipity. Uh, I'm glad it, it went with fan sided. You know, everybody there has been super cool. And Ian especially was could not have been, you know, nicer throughout the whole process. Well, Josh, it's funny. I, I terrible at. I told Josh beforehand I'm terrible at interviewing and I've done talking the whole time and Josh hasn't said anything yet. Josh? <laughs> yeah. Josh, hi, Josh. Hey, Colin. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, just wanted to get that out there. Thank you for taking some time to, to come on with us. And I echo basically everything Kirk said in terms of what this piece was to read. Uh, just very powerful, emotional writing that really stuck with me. So, you know, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing. Um, oh, man. Thank you. Yeah. And kind of bouncing off what Kirk said, you know, you say in the piece uh, you're in music, you play music um, and and that's kind of one of your passions. So you've obviously, you know, you grew up with like exploring the creative side of your brain, but I can imagine that doing something like this is entirely different. Um, I mean, this is basically like your first major piece and uh, it's better than anything I've ever written. (laughs) And I'm, yeah, uh, and, and, um, I, and I, I, I said this with no, with with no malice. I mean, it's. I, I will just tell you, I, I shared this piece. You know, the fact that it went far and wide was sometimes like Twitter is weird like this, and the fact that it went far and wide is really cool. But I'll tell you, I shared this. I'm I'm in some group DMs and Slacks with some some of the most. When Josh knows this, he teases me about this with some of the most well-read basketball writers out there. And multiple people, and I'll share with you offline if you really want to know, were just like, this was absolutely incredible. I mean, it's some of the, oh, like, what what you need to write more is what I'm yeah. telling you, first of <laughs> yeah. all. Um, yeah. Because That's you know, so you, nice. Thank you. You, you, really, you really did your brother and, and the story proud because multiple people I've talked to, you know, Dalton Trigg over at Dallas Basketball just said, you know, like this part about brothers, like it, it, it gets me, you know, I have a seven, my brother's six and a half years older than me. Josh, I know has siblings. It's, it's just one of these things that really relates on multiple levels because we had uh what was it? It was friend of friend of the show. I'm, I'm an asshole for saying that, but whatever. Jake Kemp, I no, think really, you know, Jake Kemp summed it up on Twitter probably better than anybody I've seen where he said, I've been annoyed for a long time with the quote, why do we subject ourselves to sports? If only one team ends up happy each year crowd, I'm not sure I've oh, ever seen a better case against that crowd than this. And, and <laughs> it's really got me in a great head place because I've been kind of, I don't know, the whole bubble, Josh and I had a really kind of hard time getting back into this <laughs> and, and it talking about like why sports is, is matters and what it can like bring you through. Like this, that's just, God, that's a, it's just a great, it's a great thing. I'm babbling, but it's mainly because I just like the piece is so damn, it's so damn moving and inspiring in a lot of ways. So, so like, no, obviously man, that's, 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 um, that's not touched. your intent. That's not your intent, obviously, but do you have more no. words in you? Because I would like to hear, I would like to read them. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I mean, that, that truly, that means a lot coming from you. Um, obviously, you know, I mean, that's, that's deeply touching. I, I do think, you know, it's funny. The last thing that I wrote that was not like a song was in fifth grade. I did a 
essay for Dare about why I would never take drugs. <laughs> so I think I've got to uh, get the two of them framed and and do them side by side. But to say, I mean, you know, I'm now I'm now I'm a little uh, I don't know. That's that's super nice. Um, I I'm gonna try to keep writing. You know, I mean, this will obviously be a very hard thing to replicate in terms of sure. like, response, the way it resonated, but. I think I have more in me, you know, um, the intersection of, of, like you said, to your point, the intersection of like life and sports is the reason we all watch. And I think that's an area that is worth exploring further, you know, maybe, maybe over some less tragic things, even, you know, um, I'm excited to see, I'm excited to try. Yeah. And Colin, you kind of, you kind of hinted at what I was asking about earlier about like, you know, you've you've been writing songs, you've been doing music, and you said like the last thing that wasn't related to that was you're in your fifth grade. So that's kind of like how how was this process? Because you're not only doing something that's out of your comfort zone in terms of writing something that's you know you, that's not music. It's it's a totally different thing. You know, it's still creative work, but it's it's different. Um, and sure. not only are you doing something different, but you're also tapping into something so emotionally raw and powerful that not a lot of people can even maybe share with just their words and talking to close ones. And you were able to not only put it down into words, but also have it be read by, you know, thousands of people on the internet. Uh, how, yeah. how, <laughs> yeah, like, I just want to know the process writing it. How are you able to cope with the, extremely sensitive subject matter uh that's very near and dear to your heart while at the same time doing something that is kind of new to you like how did that process go how did you handle that ah that's that's a good question i um i am a fan of sports journalism um i'm not blowing smoke up y'all when i say you know like i love maps money ball i you know i was a big of course deadspin reader back when they were um still deadspin i i'm a fan of that kind of writing so i I feel like I kind of, you know, I don't I, in terms of the the difficulty of the subject matter, it it did feel a little bit like disassociation or detachment. I kind of stepped away from away from it. Um not not in terms of like detaching myself from the story, but I don't know, you know, I just was able for I sat down, I did it in like 3 or 4 hours. I was able to somehow keep the emotions down and get through it and then in terms of like just the structure and the way I wanted to tell the story you know I feel like I've got 15 years of reading incredible sports writing that just kind of I don't know you took it took a hold of me I, I you know I'm yeah I don't know now I'm now I'm falling apart my answer I'm getting a little <laughs> uh does that does that make sense you know I just yeah I don't, it really I, uh, does it is but the pieces that have meant the most to me, I've often written in one shot and the ones that I can the ones that I try the hardest at are often the ones that take me the longest because, yes. uh, you know, I, I had, I, I, my wife sitting next to me, I joked that the ability to write well left my brain on uh, March 9th, 2016, which was the day after <laughs> it was the day after my son was born to where I have never slept the same again. Um, sure. and I just remember like writing differently and, and it's, it's, it does make a lot of sense because something like that, you just kind of have to, you, you just kind of have to get out. And in that respect, that's what like, like it's, it's really, 
I mean, this is like writer nerdetry here, but it's really tightly written. And and when I edit these days, so much of what it's and when I self edit, and then when I edit some of our younger writers, it's really easy to say, guys, don't use use three words instead of ten. Like you, you can, and I, as as a man who uses the word like to gather my thoughts when podcasting, um, it's sure. it's <laughs> one of those things where. You can very clear, clearly read during your writing. It's just, and that's, I think, one of the things that, that makes it it's so intense. Um, how are you doing? What are you up to these days? So, because you know, it's you make it very clear you've 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 been, you know, you've essentially been sober since um, when? You know, Mar- like kind of uh, October ish of of twenty eighteen. Like how's well, yeah? I've I've been. Um... I finally like I you know the thing about Xanax is is that and I think I mentioned this in the article but I it 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 is along with alcohol one of the only drugs that the withdrawal alone from it can kill you. Yes, um, you did you mention know, like that. Even, even heroin, you know, you, the the withdrawal won't kill you. You'll be very sick and miserable and it's a horrible thing but you you know, there's kind of a built-in, like, you will survive it. With Xanax or, or benzos in general, they do recommend that you do it under medical supervision. And so I didn't have that. Uh, I won't call it a luxury, but I just didn't have that option. So mm-hmm. I took the pills that I had. You know, I had probably, like, 90 of them left and then just slowly worked my way down um, from, yeah, from – October 2018. I think the last dose that I took was probably in February of 2019. I mean, I really, I really oh, took my wow. time with it because um, it's scary. So you know, I would start with like one pill a day, and then three fourths, and then a half, and then just slowly work my way down to it. But to answer your question, I'm about a year and a half sober now, and um, I feel great. I'm not tempted. I'm not wanting. I never think about drugs. When I do, it makes me feel sick. Um, even, even drugs that like I would be fine, you know, like the hippie drugs, um, that don't carry such a, you know, sure. pharmaceuticals are, in, are just terrible. They're terrible. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I've been sober since probably February of 2019. Um, even after the sobriety, then came the grief, uh, then also came, you know, the, the receptors in my brain that could deal with anxiety that could cope with the, with my senses operating were fried. I mean, you know, the benzos, they just destroyed it. Um, so my brain took some time to kind of like rewire itself and figure out how to navigate through the world. And, uh, you know, I feel confident that the version of myself that you're talking to right now is the best version of myself yet. And, um, I'm super happy about that. I'm really glad to hear that. It's, yeah, that's amazing. It's, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 man, because it's it's the these stories, you know, I, I I for me personally, like there there's a lot of stuff that you know you grow up and there's a lot of things that you don't know that like like you don't know you're not aware of and et cetera. And as I've gotten older, particularly, you know, as I've had kids, it's like learning learning like how anxiety affects people and just how like the brain works and doesn't work in a lot of respects and just the various outlets and the way things can go, the way things can go to hell quickly are really, it's one of those things that, that, you know, you you mentioned dare earlier. They don't talk about any of this stuff and, and talking about our feelings and how difficult life can be and just how like that, like I almost feel like that would have been a heck of a lot more 
you know, uh, uh, effective than talking about, hey, your teeth might fall out. This is your brain on drugs kind of thing. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's very, uh, it's, it's been. No, so, you're it, right. It, hey, go ahead. I'm babbling. No, I'm sorry. No, you're, you're, you're right. And I am kind of passionate about this. It's like that. It the, the dare discourse, drug education, the conversation around it in general is often dishonest, or at least like it starts from a place of, you know, like the thing is drugs rule. They feel great. <laughs> Xanax <laughs> made me feel like, you know, until it kind of destroyed my life, it made me feel like a million dollars. You know, I, it's like it was an answer to a question. And so I think when you, when you teach kids or you're telling people that, you know, these drugs are bad and you're right, your teeth will fall out or you'll, your skin will get messed up or whatever the case may be. Then they, then they experiment, they try one and they're like, wait a second, this feels good. What, what, what mm-hmm. else is there? You know? Yeah. And so I don't think it's giving anybody really the best chance to, to have a, a good sense of what to expect. And I think that's where people get into trouble. Uh, Colin, do you mind if I bring up uh, a powerful moment in the, in the piece uh, that really kind of floored me when I, when I uh, read it, would you be okay with that? I know you said you tried not to, huh? Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. We're okay. I'm okay. Okay. Um, but I just think this line in particular is just kind of like, I don't know, just, it just made my, my jaw hit the floor a little bit. Um, you're talking about, you know, Luca and his historic year and the impact it had in your life, obviously. And then you, you kind of talk, you bring this point, uh, at the risk of sounding hyperbolic, uh, I assure you this truth is uncomfortably real. If we end up drafting Mo Bamba, I'm not sure you're reading <laughs> this today. And it's, it's both like, I'm glad you had the reaction. It's both, it is humorous, but also like, holy shit. Um, I just wanted to tell you, like, that's just bouncing off what Kirk was talking about, how sports matter more than just, you know, who is the last team standing. And it just goes back to show the craziness of Luca coming to the Mavericks and like, Man, the butterfly effect of of that of Luca coming to the Mavericks is just immense in ways that we'll never understand. And just the chance that he got here, uh, the fact that basically everything went wrong for them in the basketball sense, <laughs> in terms of the lottery went the wrong way. You know, they they right. didn't get they didn't get the right luck uh, in the regular season, losing enough games to increase their odds. I don't know. I just reading that, I was just like, man, the way things work in this universe is just. It is crazy. Uh, and, oh, and it's I, wild. And I pre- yeah, and I just appreciate you having, like, I mean, to be able to write that and, and have that kind of self-awareness is both, I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed that line from the sense of just the, just kind of what it meant and just how you were able to, to articulate that. It, it just kind of set the whole stage for the rest of the piece, I think. Well, thanks for saying that, because there were some people on Twitter and Reddit who were like, why is he taking shots at Mo Bamba? <laughs> and I started <laughs> to feel bad. I was like, no, I don't, you know, I don't want to make, I don't, no, but know, Mo Bamba's it's a, great. It's different. It's a perspective thing. It's yeah. a perspective Much, thing, yeah. because, you know, I've watched, Med- I've, and I kind of want to get into this with you next, but like, I clearly remember moments in my life based upon some things that have happened with basketball. It's crazy to, to think like that, but like I remember where I was standing in my house when Calvin Booth hit that shot. 
I remember, yeah. you know, what I'm going to remember like my son thinking he was in trouble when Luca hit the game winner against the Clippers and my wife and I started screaming and my son just starts bawling because he thinks we're yelling at him. <laughs> I'm going to remember That's that adorable. stuff. Right, but I, I'm going to remember that stuff forever. So like when you're talking about the Portland shot, which by the way, you called it a game winner. I'm pretty sure the Mavs lost that game in overtime. Um, oh, but did they? Oh, I, I think dude. they did. It was like, what? Cause, cause Mark Falwell blocked me after the game. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, that'll happen. It, it's it. Th- this is why, like, like, because sports, when they're at their peak, when they're really clicking with you, they intertwine in your life in a way that's it's nearly indescribable, except you manage to describe it, which is, I think, why Josh and I and so many other writers are managed to be attracted to the piece. Because, like, Luca's rookie season, like, let's just be clear, rookie's Luca's rookie season was awesome. I mean, awesome. Oh. Our, I don't know what to do with my hands sometimes. Oh, my God. You're not kidding. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. Well, let's kind of pivot right into that then. Let's, like, talk because, you know, you have this incredible Mavs tattoo, which somebody retweeted, which made me laugh. And (laughs) and you say it's not even your worst. So so talk to me a little bit about your your fan experience um, as a whole. Like, like, you know, when did you and when did you and your brother latch on to the Mavs? What sort of what what happened? Sure. So all credit to uh, to Bonner. I mean, he was in on the Mavs from day one uh, as a kid. You know, I was um, younger than him. I was certainly like aware of Michael Jordan and like the cultural phenomenon of basketball in that time. And so I would watch those games with him. We would watch the the content, the movies and stuff. And I would want to be like him. So I would put the jersey on, you know, I've got pictures as a kid wearing like, I think a Scottie Pippen jersey. And um, then when I found music as a teenager, then it became like, well, there's music and there's sports and there's jocks and there's musicians. And there was just a very black and white, stupid young way of looking at it. So I didn't really pay attention. And then I came back to it probably around 18 or 19, like 2000 four-ish to 2005, so still like, you know, the young, fun Mavericks of the early aughts, Um, and then just started watching really intensely, and it's one of those things where it becomes an obsession, and then you, you just dive into it, you watch every game, you, and it, you know, it becomes a part of uh, your life, and what that did for me and Bonner, who were otherwise kind of disparate personalities is it gave us a through line to always have something to talk about, always have a reason to text each other, always have a reason to be like, you know, it was just a a common ground that opened up that I'm forever grateful for, you know, it was the foundation of our relationship for a long time. Well, you know, what, what have you thought about, how these Mavericks are doing. Give us, give us your, your thoughts, you know, from, from, you know, the, 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 the fan who really just enjoys the Mavericks. Josh and I sometimes get so deep in this that, that, you know, you find, <laughs> you'll find me yelling about Justin Jackson at 1130 on a Tuesday. So, so, so what, oh what did you think of, of like the rookie year and then this year? Well, I certainly did a lot of yelling at Justin Jackson too. Um, <laughs> I think that's a, universal uh for us Mavs fans um but yeah you're right I mean I am able to you know I'm I I for me I wasn't writing about it I didn't have to like 
analyze it in the ways that you guys did. And so I, I was able to remain kind of like naive and just, just enjoy the ride. Um, Luca's rookie year was obviously such a incredible thing because there were no expectations, not for the win total, not even really for him. I mean, I think we all thought he'd, he'd acquit himself well. Um, I don't know how many of us thought it would end up being the year that it was, but, um, the first year was great because it is that thing of like loses or loses losses. Who cares? You know, it didn't ultimately doesn't matter because you're exploring this incredible new young talent. And that is the whole point. And then the second year, obviously things got a little bit more serious and those missed uh, floater, you know, missed layups or whatever from Justin Jackson become a little harder to swallow. And um, the relationship changes, but I think, I think in terms of the second season, playoffs were disappointing. You want Luka healthy. You want KP healthy. You don't want him getting ejected. Definitely, I think all of us feel like that series could have gone a little bit differently, um, especially if we had had Dwight and Jalen. I think, you know, a whole different game. Um, but given the context, it's still a success. And the, my favorite part of the second season was, of course, his incredible game, the game winner. Um, the stats he put up that night because it gave everybody a chance to see what we had been seeing for like two years at this point. Um, people are reluctant to boost young talent like that. I think especially Euros have a hard time kind of solidifying their reputation as serious ballers that early. And um, his he just announced himself to the world and it was such a fun night on Twitter. It was fun. I was following both of you guys from my burner, and we were just all having a <laughs> awesome moment. You know, it was awesome. It was great. And then next year, we'll we can definitely talk about that as well. Um, but I feel great. Well, I don't know. Is that all right? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. So 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 now, what do you think? Well, what what is net? If, if let's put you in charge, what are what are you hoping to see from from both? you know, the draft from the off season, what, what are, what are you, you know, kind of, kind of hoping comes next? I'm mainly, what I don't want to happen is, you know, like Depot, for example, everybody's talking about Depot and Depot's great. Um, he's a great baller. Like he's an awesome dude. I would love to root for him. But I, I am very wary of locking in that money and that commitment when we're already got Porzingis. You know what sure. I mean? Um, sure, another guy with an injury so, issue. Exactly. That can, you know, I mean, would it shock you guys next year to be in the playoffs again and then we have a DNP for Depot and Porzingis for whatever reason? I mean, like, <laughs> that seems almost likely. Um, yeah. I would, I would love a secondary playmaker. I would love some KP insurance some size, although I do think Maxi is like, you know, getting better every year and playing bigger than he is. And um, I don't know. I, I just wouldn't make any like quick moves in terms of the draft. I, I couldn't, you know, I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't, I, my opinion is worth nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm the same way there. Like we, we have four or five guys in staff that really uh, love the draft, including our, our delightful Lauren Gunn, who has written three profiles in like four days because she's so excited about the draft. And I yeah, just really. read them and, and I end up being like, you know, whenever whenever I bring my son with me on any errands, he, he's like, well, can we look at the toys? And I'm like, but Parker, we're at the grocery store. There are no toys. Like, 
stop talking. But then, you know, we go to Target, <laughs> and then he wants to look at the toys, and then he's like, well, I want all of this stuff. And that's how I feel when I read the draft profiles. I'm like, I want all these guys. They all need to be on my team. That's that's what I want. So I really, as long as they draft somebody, because I'll tell you, my my kind of position is, hey, does everyone remember how cool 2003, 2004, 2005 was when Josh Howard and, like, Marquise Daniels existed? Because I do. I think that yeah. was fun. So that's what I want from fun. the draft. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. We get him another good young player to, like, to grow with the team. I think that's ideal. I, you know, there's, there is a sense of urgency just because, like, Luca is so good so quickly. And so your mm-hmm. window is suddenly open right now. Um, I just – I hope the front office is cautious and I trust them to be, well, I don't know. I'll let you guys handle whether or not they should be trusted on stuff like that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's an, it's an exciting time for, for basketball in Dallas and, um, you know, looking forward to the future. Sure. Well, Josh, what else you got? Man, I don't know. Um, I guess so. You're living in Dallas now, right? Are you are you done? Are you still living out of state? Or I think I'm reading from your little your little bio at your piece. It says you're, you're living in Dallas right now. Correct. Uh, back in Dallas. Um, cool. I'm here in Oak Cliff with my dog Seymour, um, who awesome. was probably destroying my couch or something right now. Sure. And um, <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, just waiting to see. You know, I do think. Um, in terms of like what I'm doing, I, I got into production briefly and was doing TV commercials, kind of stuff like that, which was a nice um, transition for a musician or at least somebody who's like used to working around creative people. And then the pandemic hit and suddenly advertising budgets have got a, got a little messed up. So, but I think there's, you know, there's whether or not, whatever, you know, the life cycle the life cycle of the article is, you know, I mean, Twitter moves on in a day. So it happened. It's cool. Um, hopefully there's some momentum from some part of it that can kind of inform what path happens next. But yeah, just kicking around Dallas. Um, things are good. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you back, uh, back in the state, back in DFW. So that's great to hear. And hell, when this pandemic, when this pandemic ends, you know, we're, I'm not in Dallas proper. I'm in the suburbs. Uh, and I think Josh, you move like every six weeks. I do. I do. So you don't know, you don't know where I'll be, uh, but I'll, I'll still be in this area. And, and, our, one of our writers, Doyle, uh, I'm sure you follow and know as well. You know, he's in Dallas, Tim's in Dallas. We gotta, when, when things are normal in 2027 and, human contact <laughs> is acceptable uh we gotta like we gotta get come out watch a game or something together something like that that'd be oh, good man, I'd, I'd uh, love to yeah yeah that would so be, I, that's great so i'm just happy to hear that you're you're doing well and you're in dallas and, and you're you're near you know you're near close ones and, and some family and friends so uh it's just you know man you wrote a hell of a piece man you blew all of us away like kirk said so yep. uh, it's just your brother been, would be proud yeah, that's, that's an outs- I mean, it's it's that's really you know uh, that's why you wrote it, and 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 I I or I suspect that's why you wrote it. What's wrong with me for saying that? Um, yeah, and no, no, you're you're right. It's it's the sort of thing you know that that's all that's all you can hope is that something like that is well received, and it really mattered in a lot and for for a lot of ways. I mean, if if you know the the fact like I know Mark Cuban, he he really cares about issues of addiction and that. You know, so he he ended up reading it and liking it is 
I mean, that guy didn't read anything from our sites and, and he took the time to read the whole thing. You know, he, we, we make him mad. Um, but it's, it's just really cool. It's really cool to see how, how far it went because it, yeah, the community really, really embraced this, this one. It, exactly. That's, you know, when you see like when people are like commenting on Reddit about a thing, like that's when I know it's like really like, per, like permeated the consciousness and, you know, I, I shared it on Facebook. It was just, it, it was, it was, it was really incredible. Well, well, do you have any I mean, other hot takes you'd like to get out before we uh, get on out of here? Uh, God, I guess my hottest take as a Mavericks fan is that I am rooting for the Heat to win the finals, and that makes me a little sick and uncomfortable. But we are where we are, you know. I don't know. We don't no, choose the lives we're given, you know. <laughs> yeah, we we everybody. I would like both teams to lose. That's that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Um. <laughs> Oh, well, all right. This has been Kirk Henderson, Josh Bowe, and Colin Cable. This has been, uh, I'm going to book it as an episode of Kirk, Your Enthusiasm, but it all goes on the same feed, so nobody really cares. We appreciate Colin for coming on. If you could uh, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff, because it ends up mattering. You know, every little bit helps. And uh, we will talk to you soon, because we have some draft stuff coming your way. And everybody, have a good week. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.